Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Budget-Minded Traveler Podcast. Your source for the tips and tactics that will inspire and equip you to travel the world. And the best part? It won't break your bank. And now, the budget-minded traveler herself and your host, Jackie LaLainen. Hey guys, I hope you are well today, wherever you are. Thanks for tuning into the Budget Minded Traveler podcast. This is episode 40. And before we get into the episode, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of you who have been voting for me for the podcast awards. It's been um, really fun for me. I've been posting daily videos on YouTube and Facebook. If you haven't had a chance to see those yet, you may want to check them out. I think they're kind of funny and just, just kind of fun in general, but they're meant to be daily reminders to help you remember to vote every single day for the Budget Minded Traveler podcast for best travel podcast at this year's podcast awards. So thank you so much if you've been involved in that. Every vote counts. I've got an awesome interview for you today with Nicole Drian, who is a freelance writer and photographer out of Truckee, California. And she was actually introduced to me by a friend of mine who set us up because, you know, we're both travelers. We probably had something to talk about, which of course we did. And it turns out Nicole was an excellent candidate for coming onto the podcast. But I wanted to bring that up because I'm always looking for great people to interview on this podcast. If you are someone or if you know someone who has a unique angle or something specific that works with the content we share on this podcast, please let me know. Contact me through thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash contact. I would love to hear from you. And moving on with Nicole, she is about to share some stories with you about how she has basically followed her heart around the world in travel and writing and photography. And there are a couple of themes that I wanted to point out here. Um, really, one of them I already mentioned, following your heart. I mean, that's kind of cliche, but it really, it's really powerful when you can identify what it is that you should be doing and actually do that. It's really powerful when it, when, when it has the power to change your life, you know, for the better. And the other thing is you'll hear that Nicole is not afraid to really put herself out there. And that's one of the things that I really love to do as even in my own mission of, you know, being a travel blogger and traveling all over the world and having a podcast and interviewing people. I mean, you have to put yourself out there. And what what I mean by that is actually making the decision to go, to be present somewhere, to talk to people. And I think you're going to notice that theme in today's interview as well, that Nicole is not afraid to put herself out there and she's gotten to incredible places and, and found herself on incredible missions because of that. So before I get too far too deep into these awesome themes, let's go ahead and get going with the interview with Nicole Drian. All right. I've got Nicole Drian on the line from Truckee, California. Nicole, how are you today? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you, Jackie. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm really excited about what you have to share with us. But um, why don't you start with just kind of telling us who you are and where you come from and what your travel background is? How did you get into traveling in the first place? 
So I um, I'm from upstate New York originally, and I moved out to California right after college. I had uh, read a book called Cowboys Are My Weakness um, by a woman called Pam Houston, and it inspired me to want to live in the West and become a writer. So early on, I started as a uh, started as a writer. I was a creative writing major in college. And also, I would say my junior year of college, I spent a semester abroad in Kenya. Mm. And um, even before I spent that semester abroad, I had been dreaming about going to Africa ever since I, I was a little girl. And my cousin was in the Peace Corps in Mali. Mm -hmm. And he used to write us letters. And I always would diligently write him back. I think he spent probably almost eight years over there. And all I could think about how I wanted to you know, grow up someday and be like my cousin David. So um, I went to St. Lawrence University. They have a wonderful exchange program in Kenya um, where I got to learn Swahili, live with a Samburu tribe, go on safaris, um, live in both an urban setting and a rural setting. So that really, that experience in Kenya really got me hooked on um, international travel. So those are, those are my early roots. And mm -hmm. um, even moving out to the to the West Coast, that was a big move. That was a lot of travel. Um, and then it just kind of, as the writing thing kind of took off, um, so, did my, so did my travels. So I've probably been to Africa about five or six times so far. And I typically would go um, with a little bit of a mission in mind or an idea in mind. Um, a couple years ago, I went to try and ski a mountain range called the Ruanzoris. And then, you know, a couple years after that, Instead of going to grad school, because I contemplated going to grad school at one point, um, but instead I just decided I was going to go over there and try to do things on my own, mm -hmm. um, I went over to Uganda, and um, my goal was to find women athletes to write about. So I ended up um, spending probably close to five or six months, two different trips between Uganda, Kenya, um, and the Congo finding and meeting women athletes. Um, mostly a lot. It was just kind of a big personal journey where I was, you know, my photography started taking off. I was taking photos and um, I was I was writing a lot of personal stuff. Some of it got published, some of it didn't. Um, but just mainly a lot of trips that keep kind of compounding on top of each other. What started as pleasure has now kind of morphed into work. Yeah, but that's kind of the best way to do it because then you're following your passion. It's funny uh, when I, I would say that was in 2010 when I when I was so driven to go to Uganda to to find these women athletes to write about, and I didn't have an agenda, and almost at the time I didn't even tell anyone I was going. I know right now everybody tweets, everybody, um, you know, if I were to do it again, obviously I would be more on social media. But at the time it was so personal for me, and I was almost afraid. Um, I was going to fail or I didn't want to be questioned because in my mind, I kind of knew what I wanted to do and I knew the experiences I wanted to have because as a writer, you, you know, maybe I end up writing about that 10 years after it happens, but you have to have some experiences in the bank. And I actually ended up writing for a, um, a newspaper while I was over there, a local newspaper. And I kind of, that was a pretty, uh, eye opening experience. Cause I remember writing an article on a, um, this young girl that was this up and coming runner and the article I submitted talked about her humble beginnings, you know, can't believe how well she's done from these humble beginnings and the editor coming back to me and being like, um, Nicole, she's middle class or just kind of a lot of stuff that I learned. Yeah. Uh -huh. Learning 
learning along the way. And that ability I learned to travel by myself in those countries and um, travel with a camera and find subjects that would be willing to talk to me and um, just that ability to kind of guerrilla type of journalism. Eventually, I've at this point um, used those skills or I'm confident enough that now I've been hired to like in 10 days, I leave for Morocco to cover an all women's rally car race in the Sahara. And I think if I hadn't done those personal trips, Mm -hmm. I would not have had the confidence to to do like the trip I'm getting ready to do. Cause I have to camp. I'm out in the middle of nowhere, all these small towns. Uh, you know, I have to be resourceful. I know I have to know how to like charge my camera equipment wherever I go. Mm-hmm. And I think without that experience, a lot of those personal experiences I had before, I wouldn't be equipped to do this. That is so awesome. I mean, <laughs> there's so many things you just said that I, that I want to know more about. I mean, one of the things you mentioned was skiing in Africa, which I think not most people think of when they think of Africa. What was I, that like? So that that was a result. Um, I actually had to go twice. I went in 2005 and 2007. So pretty much growing up, I was a skier and I loved Africa. Those are my two biggest passions. Mm-hmm. And I was up late one night and I was like, how do I combine the two? Like, because growing up, all I wanted to, you know, you remember the movie Romancing the Stone? I didn't see it. Okay. Okay. Basically, Kathleen Turner is swinging off of tree vines. Um, I think I w- I'm naturally more attracted to mountains, kind of like more jungly mountains than real alpine mountains. Okay. But I'm still a skier. So when I kept Googling and I found this mountain range that split down the middle between Uganda and the Democratic Republic of the Congo, um, it's called the Ruinzoris. And at the time in 2005, it had been closed for years because of um, a lot of conflicts in, in the Congo were spilling over into Uganda, mm-hmm. but the park had just reopened. Um, and I just became completely fixated on this mountain range because it's the most glaciated mountain range in Africa. It's considered the source of the Nile. Um, we all know that the glaciers, especially those tropical glaciers are melting so quickly. And I just had in my mind, I was like, Oh my goodness, this is these glaciers gone someday. And you know, I want to tell my kids I skied the source of the Nile. So it was like this complete wild lofty vision. Um, but within a year, I was on a plane with a group of people um, to Uganda. And it's funny, I had very little mountaineering experience. Um, I asked for an ice axe and crampons for Christmas from my parents. They're like, where are you going? Yeah. Are you crazy? <laughs> crazy. It's, they basically had the price tags on them still when I got there. Um, so it ended up being this really arduous climb. It took seven days, um, kind of a long story. It took me two, two trips there to be able to strap my skis on and even make five or six turns. Wow. But it was pretty much just the mission. All I have to have something to chase when I'm traveling. So this was, this was like my obsession. I was like, I am going to stick my skis on and ski the source of the Nile. And that was, you know, the goal. But it's everything that happens getting there and like, trying to get to that point that's the story, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I, fa- I, I failed the first time, which is what ultimately, like, um, was the reason I ended up going back the second time. But I, I went back a little more prepared the second time. So that's my, that's my skiing in Africa story. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> it is. I know. But it's so funny. Once you check that off the list, then it was like I was on to the next thing. Yeah. Well, and I'm reading um, 
a book right now called The Happiness of Pursuit by Chris Guillebeau. And he it's so cool how he he profiles people all over the world who just kind of latch onto an idea that they have to complete, you know, and there's there's usually some sort of boundaries around it. Like I want to do this by this time or whatever, you know, and and just like you, you know, I, I'm going to ski in Africa. It took you two times to try it to, to get it down, but you did it. And now you're on to the next quest. You know, I mean, I think these things are really natural for a lot of us. We just kind of get these ideas that this is something we want to do. And it's kind of larger than a bucket list. You know, it's not just a destination. It's it's the journey, too. I mean, like kind of like they say the whole thing around it. Yeah. And it's just the um, for me, like everything would have a I think the most awesome part about being a journalist or a writer is it gives you this kind of opportunity to talk to people all along the way. Like it's mm-hmm. your vehicle, right? Your vehicle to travel. Like people op- kind of open up to you more. They're all right with you. You're naturally going to ask more questions as mm-hmm. you're um, trying to whatever accomplish whatever story you're you're chasing instead of just getting off a plane and being like, oh, let's go see the pyramids, mm-hmm. whatever it is having that little bit of a goal makes you, um, it's like, I I call it like whatever the vehicle you just hang on to and it takes you on the journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually, I I know what you mean by that. I mean, you're, you're automatically becoming more observant because you have to remember these details to be able to write about them later, you know, and you're taking notes and everything becomes more, I think, tangible when, when you're writing about something. So I get what you mean about that. And actually that brings me to my next question for you. You said you wrote for a local newspaper in Africa. So this is really intriguing to me because you went, wait, was this Uganda? This was in Uganda. Uganda. So you went to Uganda thinking, I'm going to write about women athletes that you didn't know yet. Did you have any contacts there? I mean, did you have any kind of plan at all? No. So I basically, I was working, so my other job, the one that kind of pays the bills right now, um, I work in the research department for ESPN and the X Games. So I don't know if you've seen the X Games on TV. Mm-hmm. So we do all the background information, all, all the athletes and write storylines and work with the talent. Um, so we had an X Games in France. And so I already had a plan to get over to France. And I just knew in my mind, for whatever reason, that I had to, you know, this was... I had to go and do this trip just personally. It was just eating at me. Mm-hmm. So I, I booked the plane ticket from France, um, shipped all my like winter gear home, showed up in Kampala. I, I had a place to stay the first night. I didn't have a single contact. I didn't, I didn't prep anything before. And it was literally like the first day I was there, everything started to fall into place. As soon as I started asking, Hey, do you know any women athletes? Everything. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything started rolling. Mm -hmm. And I think the really kind of pivotal thing that happened early on in that trip was um, I, I met this gentleman and I told him what I was doing, right? You just tell people what you're doing and they, and they kind of want to help you and they, they start yeah. sending you leads. So he said, you should go. Uganda was having its version of, um, you know how we have the ESPYs in the U.S.? They're mm-hmm. like Oscars, but for sports. Yeah. Uganda was having their version of the ESPYs that evening. Of course. And, <laughs> yeah. And he, and he looks at me and, he, and he's like, no, and he's British. He's like, doll yourself up, right? Doll yourself up. Take your down, take yourself down to this hotel, and then you're going to find all your athletes. Ugh. So like, I rummage through my bag and I find one dress. It's kind of wrinkly, and of course, it's really short. Um, so I doll myself up. I get a taxi cab. I have my camera with me, and um, I go down to this hotel that they they tell me where the uh, 
um, this event is happening. Uh, and you know, I'm the only foreigner there and everybody's <laughs> dressed to the tees and they let me come in they're like, all right, you can come in and, and shoot photos. But in that process, all of the, you know, all of the top journalists, sports journalists from Uganda, all the local journalists, they were all there shooting. All the top athletes were there. Uh, and I just had a couple different people approach me because I obviously stood out. Yeah. Like, who, who, who is this girl that's like jumping right in there and shooting photos and talking to people? And that's how I got connected with the uh, sports editor for the New Vision. And um, someone had been kind of pushing him to include more women athletes in their paper. No. So, yeah. So it, it totally, you know, it ended up working out. I only ended up writing a couple of articles for them. Um, but meeting those different, uh, all the different editors and kind of that whole African culture, to me, it was more valuable than, I guess, oh, ideally you'd want to be over there being like, oh, I write for Newsweek or I write for the New York Times. Mm. But not having at least those connections right then gave me this other amazing opportunity um, where I kind of, you know, you're seeing their world through totally different eyes. And newspapers are still big over there because like, not everybody is connected on the Internet. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're people that are selling them on the on the street corners and walking up to your car with the papers, kind of a little bit like the like the old days. Yeah, <laughs> it was cool. It was fun to see your, you know, your stuff in the paper. No kidding. I can't believe that story. Like, I think it's so cool because there's such a lesson there. I mean, you had this idea in your head. You had an opportunity. Actually, I was going to ask, with your ESPN job in France, is it like contract based? I mean, what's the nature of it that you were able to just drop everything and change your flight and go to Africa real quick? What was that? Um, so it's just contract. So it's, okay. you know, each event, um, depending on how many they are, it's just a couple months out. So I finished okay. that. So and I wasn't going to start another job for like, I had like two and a half months. Okay. So I had this, you know, awesome opportunity with a, you know, I can't live off of it, but if I supplement it, it works. But I also have those nice chunks of change or those big gaps in between events where kind of, I was, you know, in my mind, I was always like, well, you know, you never know when you're going to be you know, saddled with a full-time job or you're, you're not going to be able to do this. Yeah. So I always took advantage mm -hmm. of, um, those breaks in my schedule and really pushed kind of the travel, the travel envelope. Right. I feel like I just kind of ran around and was like taking notes frantically and I'd be like, all right, eventually I'll have time to really digest all of this. Yeah. So, so your nature of your schedule might look a little different from most people's, but, but the, the general message is the same. You're taking advantage of what time you have off to kind of travel and do the things you want to do. But I, I, all I think of is this, if you, I mean, here you are thinking, I want to write about women athletes and I think I'll go to Africa. And what if you didn't go? I mean, what if you said no to that idea, you know, and, and you didn't go and you didn't have this. I mean, this, it's like the stars were aligned for you to do this. That's what it really impresses me. I mean, you show up and here's this guy who says, oh, you're just in time. And then all of a sudden you're writing for a newspaper. I mean, who can, who can plan that, you know? Yeah. It's funny, like, I just think following your heart opens up, for me at least, it's never been this, and I, I have to, you know, I don't know, especially with this wanderlust, people call it my wanderlust, so they'll be like, oh, Coley, or, you know, that's my nickname, um, she's, 
I remember it not so much anymore. Now that I'm like kind of making a living doing it, people are now they're more like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. But early on when it was just burning and I would do these trips, it'd be like, oh, she's lost or oh, when gosh. is she going to find herself? And to me, but in my mind, I was so not lost. Mm. Like I could not have been more focused, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I remember being really just chasing all of this stuff and following my heart. And, and now that stuff does all start to kind of fit into your world. And you do start eventually, um, luckily enough, making a living doing doing what you love. I mean, I can attest to that. <laughs> you know, you probably, you, you, you take, a little, yeah. take, a little, take a little heat for it. Or maybe I was just more sensitive to it. But now, but now I'm at the point where I'm like, I think there was a point where I, where I thought I would outgrow this but it's just not going to happen. And what's cool is like the older I get, I think a lot of people think traveling is just for maybe when you're right out of college or um, when you're younger. But I think what for me as I get older, um, and especially the last few years, I've really kind of developed a lot of empathy or I, I've changed a lot. And the way I interact with people and what I'm seeing on the road is different. So I think it's really valuable to just, this is part of who I am. Travel is part of who I am. It's always going to be part of who I am. I'm interested when I'm 60 to see like what strikes me when I'm traveling, what the things that I notice. And as a traveler and kind of where I am now, I think it's really important or just to someone needs to witness the world. If that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. someone needs to be the witness and you do that at all stages in your life. And there's things that stand out to you differently, you know, whenever, whatever age that you're traveling at. Absolutely. I mean, the same thing could be said here. It's just, you know, taking it to a different level by saying, yeah, we're out in the world doing this, you know, because life changes and and you grow and you change and you see things differently. I, I love the way that you put that you know, I mean, even if you did travel in your 20s, you go out in your 30s, it's going to be different. And that's only one decade, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so different. And people, um, and I'm sure that's changing, but I would hope they don't think that's just something you should do while you're young because no. there's so much value in people traveling at different ages. Definitely. I, just the interactions you have and the stories you bring back. And like when I was in Africa, you know, when I was younger, I noticed whatever you're, you're like, oh, it's wild and there's animals. And, you know, when I went back and did this mission to find these women athletes, what stood out to me so much was motherhood. Like this huge presence of everybody was a mother and, and how a different motherhood there was from the U.S. At 22, I never would have picked up on that, you mm-hmm. know, but at a different age, it all of a sudden became really apparent, you know, last week I just had a, a couple come on the podcast who are in their 60s. They're in retirement and they're traveling full time. They sold their house and everything and they're on the road and they literally were Skyping me from Egypt. No, <laughs> yeah, so It cool. was the coolest thing, like one of my favorite interviews, really, but so inspiring because they had said like exactly that, that they traveled in their 20s, you know, and and it was part of them and they kind of wanted to go back to that. And they are just not looking back now, you know, and I mean, you can and I think on this podcast and on my blog, you know, I encourage everyone to travel. I really think even, you know, start when you're young, but don't stop, you know, don't if you like it, continue, figure it out, make what, you know, find ways to make it happen. Like that's what that's what I'm all about. 
Um, and so I guess I really appreciate like what you're saying about traveling like through the ages, almost literally, you know? Right. Oh yeah. And then when maybe if they're sixties, they're, they'll notice, Oh my God, what it, what was it like to be in this country and there's no retirement fund or Mm -hmm. you're still working or no one's actually even alive. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. those Mm -hmm. things that they probably notice now that I'm not noticing right now. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting topic actually. Um, so what do you think about, are, do you travel alone? Are you married or anything? No, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Okay. And I was actually having dinner with a friend the other night and talking about, um, I had recently heard a speaker, um, uh, talk about, he wrote a book on flow. I think it was called the rise of Superman. Uh, and he talks about it. The book he wrote has a lot to do with action athletes and a certain mental state they get in, he calls it flow, where you're out of your comfort zone, but you're not terrified. So you're like out of your comfort zone, you're not terrified, but whatever state that puts your mind in is um, where you're most kind of successful and where you're most aware and where you're most, um, just kind of where you do your best work. And he was talking about how it didn't just apply to athletes, it's writers, it's um, doctors, it's, you know, different people with their professions have that, you know, can reach that state of flow. Mm -hmm. And I was talking with this friend about how traveling solo, for me, um, that kind of rush, that edge when I'm a woman on my own, in a new country, I'm so aware of like where I am, observing things, um, I was like, that's my natural flow state. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it's something that I always crave. Like eventually, you know, you come back and you go in your comfort zone of home, but then eventually like I, like I need it. It's almost like a fix Mm -hmm. and traveling solo is for me. If I travel with a group, it's not, it's not the same because I will um, automatically just maybe let someone else lead. Like I need to be on my own to really be kind of in tune with my environment. Mm-hmm. And and the places I've gone to, people are always like, I can't believe you go there by yourself. Are, are they nice to women there? And I feel like it's such an advantage. I feel like people reach out to me. They keep an eye on me. Um, it kind of indicates that you trust them. Um, I'm not doing anything stupid. I'm not, you know, walking around at night in miniskirts or anything like that. But right. I do feel like when they see you, on your own and you're, and you're confident, I've, I've just had a really great experience traveling that way. I feel like people have tried to help me. Like we think this world is a big, vicious place, but people are people. And a lot of these countries are, they're really warm and they will help you. Yeah. I think that that is very encouraging because that's something that you only, you only know that once you've been, it's scary um, for a lot of females, I think, to think about setting off on their own when they don't know that from experience, you know, right. so the more we can share with them and tell them, you know, you're that these fears are unfounded or whatever, I think is, is really encouraging and important because it's so true. Um, actually, that book sounds really well, it's called The Rise of Superman. Rise of Superman. Yes. I mean, how are you going to find out if that's your flow if you don't try it? You know, I love that. Um, I'm going to link to that book cause I might want to read it myself actually. <laughs> um, and okay. So this has been 
awesome. You have some incredible stories. I could see how um, you could have some success writing about these. Have you thought about writing a book or or do you just publish for other people? Right now, it's been more articles or photo essays um, mm-hmm. that I've done for, you know, on different places I've been. I do do on my own. I'm part of like a writing group in Truckee mm-hmm. where I write some of my travel stories. Of course, yeah, I'd love to sit down and, and write a book. Do, do <laughs> I sit still very often at this point? No. I'm, you know, like that's just the reality right now. Um, but yeah, of course, at some point I would, if I could, if I could plant it long enough. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. It takes a lot but, of dedication. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm impressed with anyone like, like you did that sits down and has the diligence to, to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very impressed with that. Thank but you. eventually, yeah. And if you keep writing and you keep your skills, you know, your writing skills sharp and you still have all those notes and you have kind of shorter stories, um, at least the material is there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, I want to ask you specifically about this project that you're working on, um, which is how I was introduced to you. It was Nicole from She Guides. So what is She Guides? Will you tell everybody about it? Where did the inspiration come from? Um, You know, what's the mission behind it? So the the mission is it will ultimately be a (laughs) win-win. as a female, we talked about myself traveling solo as a female. Um, one of the things I noticed would be lacking in some of the countries I went to, like particularly in Morocco, is that all of the guides are men. Um, if you're trying to walk around a Medina or you're trying to walk around, you're constantly approached by men. Um, they're more aggressive. They're more out there. Um, and as a woman, you are more, you know, I just talked about trusting people, but you are, you know, you have to be on your guard. Mm-hmm. You have to be skeptical sometimes. Um, but the feeling I had a couple of times when I started asking, hey, is there a woman that can guide me around? Can I have a woman show me mm-hmm. um, this village? That whole dynamic changes, right? So all of a sudden there's like this kind of this sisterhood. Um, I feel safer. I'm seeing... Um, things through her world, like she's not rushing me off to the rug shop. You know, <laughs> in Senegal, I was there last spring. I had this mom and um, her sister, her mom and her daughters showed me around the local fishing village. And normally like walking around it, I wasn't quite comfortable, but they came and they showed me around. Um, and they knew I had this idea for, for she guides and without even like a lot of coaching or, or, or having experience as guides, they so naturally just pointing out things in their village mm-hmm. was so interesting to me. Like they took me to the local hospital where they had their babies and to be mm-hmm. able to walk into a maternity ward, like randomly um, in, in, in another country and have them introduce me to the nurses and tell me like, well, you know, women don't cry here when they have babies. Um, or this is where most of them are, you know, maybe they'll go to the big hospital for a C-section, but there's no drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, or just explaining all the stuff that I found that was so interesting. And then at the end, I would say, well, this is how much time you spent for me. And, you know, we kind of discussed what we thought was an appropriate rate. And I, and I paid them for being my guide. And it just ended up ultimately being this, I had this great experience. They were making money. Like they didn't, there's not a ton of jobs, you know, in a lot of these other countries that we go to. And we know that women, you know, when they become empowered, that's how a lot of these 
cultures rise up or that's right. how your best way to get women and families out of poverty is when you empower the women. Exactly. So, yeah. so if you can, and then another kind of revelation I had when I was traveling in Colombia was just the amount of women that I was meeting, that I was meeting who would love to work. Um, and they'll net, they won't necessarily ever be able to come to the U S but as kind of a Western woman or American woman, I have this amazing opportunity to go and meet them. And I think the women's travel market, like women, especially in the U.S., are making more money and they can travel more. And if you can go out and meet these other women and hire them as your guide, you have a really cool experience. They have a job. And there's just a lot of dignity that comes with making your own money. Like there's a lot of nonprofits out there. There's a lot of us giving money to people. But I think ultimately to see things work the way they should um, people want jobs. They don't want to be handed things. They want to earn their money. And this is a great kind of um, win-win, I think, for both sides. Yeah, it sounds amazing. It's a great, great idea. And it is already in place, correct? Well, yes, it is in place. Um, we are working on it. I think the business model will eventually change. So right now, like, I just want to find the women guides. If you are someone that's traveling and you meet a really cool woman, tell us about her. We can spread her name. We can uh, kind of get her, you know, her name out there for other people that are, are traveling. Um, and I'm just going to be starting to work with another uh, colleague. She started a nonprofit in Kenya. She has some women guides already in place there. Um, so we'll start connecting with her. I can promote her company with these female guides. Mm -hmm. Right now, we're just trying to promote women that we're finding that are that are already working, like getting their names out and building our name. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, I would love to see it function as similar to like an Airbnb or a viable where people, uh, you know, if, if you want to sign yourself up, you can do so on a, you know, on a website or oh, um, yeah. just start building out that database. But that is a pretty big financial, um, that's a pretty big financial jump. So right now, and right now I would say we're more like we can start being like a boutique um, kind of guiding business. If you're going somewhere and you don't have time to, you know, sort out these women guides, let us use our resources to find you an experience when you're going somewhere of um, using a female guide and having that, having that experience. So just helping women even connect with these other women, like kind of a boutique service. And then eventually you know, as it, and then you flesh things out that way as well. Right. I mean, you have to start somewhere. So I applaud you for that. I mean, I think it's a great idea and I do think that it will work. Actually, I was looking at your website the other day, which it's beautiful. You guys, by the way, uh, Nicole's photography is on there and these women are gorgeous too. There are a couple of women who are profiled on there already in Morocco and somewhere else, right? Senegal. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and you can read about them. You can read, I think, is it on the blog where you talk about their stories? Yep. I have some on the blog and I have more women for, for uh, from Colombia, from my recent trip to Colombia, women that I met um, that I would love to, like, you're going to Colombia. I have, I have women for you. That's so great. <laughs> I can connect you with. And um, yeah, we're just kind of building that, building that out right now. And if anything, just inspire you to, to go and travel and a lot of times it's just asking, right? Like I'm finding them, these women by just asking mm -hmm. and you, you have a cooler connection. This woman, you know, ends up making money. 
And it just kind of changes your, your travel experience. So if right now, if I just inspire you to do that and you come back to me and you can, you can tell me about it, that's awesome. And eventually that business model will morph into, um, something, something more global, but you, at this point, you don't want to build something that some huge database that you don't know is going to work yet, mm -hmm. or, or maybe it works a little bit better this way. So mm -hmm. I think it's better to just kind of start this way and then move into the, the next phase. So where can we find all of this? What do you mean? The, on the website, oh, like what is the website? The website right now is just kind of explains it's pretty simple. I actually worked with um, a woman that was helping me put it together. And she's like, just keep it really simple right now as you're, you know, kind of fleshing this out. But the idea would be if you are going somewhere and you want to, to find a female guide, if you want to email us, we will, we will kind of source some cool opportunities between all the people, you know, that I can reach out to other people can reach out to, um, to kind of start your trip. And that's, it's, and that's at sheguides.com, right? Sheguides.com. Okay. And they can, there's a contact form on there that people can contact you through? Yes, correct. Awesome. That is such a cool idea. I mean, I really hope that it works. I can't wait to try it out myself, honestly. <laughs> I was reading about, is there a name Nadia in um, Morocco? Is Nadia in Morocco? Is that her name? Yes, Nadia is Morocco. She's in Casablanca. Yeah, so I was reading about her. This was a while back on your site, and it so made me want to go. You know, it just like inspired Wanderlust in me to go to Morocco, which is definitely on my list. But I was thinking this is going to be great when we do go there. Um, you know, we can connect with Nadia. I would love to do that because I know she's already in the business. You know, it kind of gives me peace of mind that it's going to work out logistically, etc. Um, is there... <laughs> I hope this I hope this isn't a silly question, but what about men? I mean, can they can so they that, um, that's a great question. Yeah. yeah. So and I hope it um right right now the if I were to market it because the female travel market is um such a growing, like specific demographic, that's who I would market to. However, we know that a lot of women travel with their boyfriends or their husbands or their families. So the guide would be a woman. However, we do not want to, especially as you're growing this business, you want people to have as many clients, as much business as they can. So just depending on what they are comfortable with, right, you know, right. different cultures allow for different things. Um, you know, certainly if someone's traveling with their husband or boyfriend, please use it, you know, like definitely use use the service because people want to work. And, and if, if there are single males that want that experience to do it, you know, it would be up to the guide, like wherever, maybe in France or like, of course I'd take you around. Right. But maybe in Morocco, that would be a little different to see a female and a male out, you know. Exactly. Yeah. It's different. And I think we're in a society like this really, what are they called? The sharing culture or the sharing between, you know, Airbnb and um, Viable and Uber, kind of these services, you know, people are on match.com, they're on Tinder, they're on all of these, all of these Facebook, any where you, you know, are subjected to meeting a lot of strangers. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you've built up your, like, if I if I'm an Airbnb host, which I am in, in Tahoe, um, and people contact me about staying at my house, I know my in my mind, what what is okay for me and what's not and how to kind of tell who would fit with me, who wouldn't, who looks 
legitimate, who doesn't. So we, I feel like at this point people have a little bit of a, an idea of, uh, I don't know what would work for them. Like how to use these, these how, user how, platforms. Yeah. Cause people are like, well, you know, and I've had that, what, you know, is that going to be safe? What if someone disguises themselves as a male and, you know, does X, Y, and Z. And I was like, do you, there's these things called Tinder and match.com where people are going on date. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. this is a, I think you get some savviness from our culture already to hopefully be, uh, you know, kind of distinguish between right and wrong or something that might be a little creepy or not creepy. I just think we're in that culture where, right, uh, right, right. You know what I mean? Kind of use your common sense and figure yes. it out. And yeah, don't, don't leave your common sense at home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, great. Um, thank you for sharing about that. That's uh, I wish you the best of luck with that really. And I hope that, you know, some of my listeners might look into your website and start using your guides when they're going to these places. Um, and yeah, I'll have to, I would, I would love to, you know, keep in touch with you about it and see, um, how everything goes and how we can help in the future. So, um, I guess on a closing note, you have so much experience in travel and solo travel, female travel, all these topics that are just huge. So what, what would be your advice to people considering travel who, who maybe haven't done it before, regardless of their age, gender, you know, what can you speak to generally about traveling that has just kind of changed you that you would want to inspire in other people? Um, I think, uh, you know, I keep talking about all these really exotic places. Um, however, don't discount things that are really close to you. I've had some amazing trips. Even we talked about, I live in Lake Tahoe, um, going to Nevada. Like I love Nevada. I can get my car. I can drive out there. And sometimes it's this, you know, kind of whole different world. I would say there are a lot of really probably cool places close to you off the beaten path. And if you're just starting or you just want to try it, just get in your car by yourself for like maybe two days. Like just start. You don't have to go on some big elaborate trip to change your life. You can start on smaller stuff that's closer to home and then eventually, you know, you can build up to different places or or other places you want to go. But don't discount like an amazing experience you could have that's nearby if you're worried about money or um, kind of or for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Like you can start, you know, baby steps and then eventually you keep, you know, moving on to bigger trips. You just keep pushing the edge of your comfort zone out just a little bit, just baby steps. <laughs> just, just baby steps. And the yeah. other thing I, I think is kind of a misconception sometimes People are like, do you have a trust fund? Do you, I can't afford to travel. Um, It's one of those things that if, if you can make it happen, you know, like I don't, you know, I'll go to some place and I can spend 10 bucks a day. Maybe you don't go to Europe. Maybe you just choose a country that's, that's less expensive and um, you start there, but it's not like it's this uh, thing that should be saved for people that have a ton of money. You can, you can make that, you can make it happen. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. Obviously, that's what I preach. So yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing with us. This has been awesome. So if people want to get in touch with you for any reason, is She Guides the best place to go? She Guides or my website, NicoleDrion.com. Okay, awesome. I'll link to both of those in the show notes page. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's been great. And uh, we'll have to talk to you soon. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Jackie. 
All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Nicole and found some inspiration in all of her stories and her mission and her passion. I think it's just awesome. Definitely check out She Guides. It's an amazing idea and program. And if you can use it, please do. I have all the links and notes from this episode. There are some resources, some books that we mentioned, some things. In fact, I even dug up the article that Nicole wrote about her skiing adventure into the Ruinzoris in Africa. And so all of that you can find on the show notes page at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 40. And in the meantime, please keep voting for The Budget Minded Traveler at podcastawards.com. Voting is still live and I would very much appreciate every single vote that I can get. So thank you guys so much for your support in that. And I'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.